You're listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. This is episode 65 with Simon Drew of the Practical Stoic Podcast. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com where you can connect with me on social media, find past episodes, and join my Discord chat server for interactive discussion. Support my work by becoming a donor through Patreon or PayPal to access special rewards, including the ability to have upcoming guests answer your questions, custom-tailored podcast episodes, and personalized one-on-one discussions. Share, comment, like, subscribe, and leave reviews to help support my efforts. Email me with your thoughts, justinvacula at gmail.com. A short podcast note before discussion with today's guest. A gracious volunteer continues to work on transcripts for upcoming and past episodes. Visit pages for individual episodes with transcripts at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. If you'd like to volunteer your time with a particular skill, contact me to be part of the podcast team. Today's guest is Simon Drew, host of the Practical Stoic Podcast. We talk about self-improvement, goal-setting, motivation, finding meaning in life, spending time well, reducing anxiety, friendship, and music, among other topics. Simon Drew is a Stoic mindset coach, a personal trainer, photographer, and musician who hails from Australia. He describes Stoicism as the ultimate philosophy for modern life, which can enable anyone to be happy, healthy, and fulfilled. Find his work at risetothegoodlife.com. See links in the show notes. On to today's discussion. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me here, Justin. I'm really excited to be here. Yep. I was on your show recently, and now we get to do a crosscast of sort with yours coming on mine. One podcaster talking to another. I, I love it. And I'm uh, I'm always excited to do these kind of cross-pollinations with, uh, with other podcasters. And, uh, you know, I love the work that you're doing. I know that uh, a lot of people get a lot of value out of the work that you're putting out there. So hopefully I can only add to that value. Thanks a lot. So it was nice to be on your podcast as well as you're releasing episodes usually bi-weekly. You've had a lot of people on your show, including your brother who recently interviewed you. So this can be a continuation of that. So I released that podcast I'm on my show and I'm even considering considering just making this a, a week all about me in, a, in some sort of selfish way. <laughs> get, some, <laughs> get some other interviews out there. Virtually people actually want to know that information about me. But, you know, sometimes it helps to put a story behind the uh, the voice that you're hearing. Great. So now we'll find out some more about you today. And we could start, what led you to stoicism? It was kind of a long journey with many parts. It, it would have to have started when uh, when I had my 20th birthday party. Until my 20th birthday, really, I hadn't read many books all the way through. I, I think I may have read like one or two for school. So I really wasn't that self-educated. And on my 20th birthday, my, my best friend, Lachlan Hawkins, he he said to me, hey, uh, so I, I was at university then and we were at university together. And he said, hey, do you want to come over to City Hall? Because there's this motivational speaker coming. And I really love the things that he says. And maybe it would be exciting for you as well. And, I, you know, I kind of thought, well, I don't really need motivation, uh, but hey, I'll go along. And I was kind of reluctant, but I went along and had a good time, paid $50 to get in. And so we went in there and something that he said, 
said, completely changed my life. Like I, I now count my life as being set into two parts, uh, sort of before that seminar and after that seminar. And if you want to know the name of the person who it was, it was Eric Thomas. And what he said that really changed my life was information changes situations. To that uh, seminar, I started reading books and I started getting really into my own personal education. Uh, and over the next year, I think I read about 80 to 85 books, uh, which was more than I'd read uh, in my entire lifetime. So I started really getting into my own personal education. I think it was Mark Twain who said, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. You know, and I, I, or it could have been uh, Henry David Thoreau. I'm, I'm probably getting that completely incorrect. But uh, the sentiment of that quote is, you know, you really need to take care of your own personal education. And so I started, uh, you know, listening to podcasts, watching lectures, reading books, just getting really obsessed with it. And my life completely turned around. I started doing better, whether it was in my career with music and, you know, starting businesses. Some of them worked, some of them absolutely didn't. But I was having a great time along the way. And one of the podcasts, that I started listening to was the Tim Ferriss podcast and I got obsessed with Tim Ferriss's work. Uh, the 4-Hour Workweek was one of my first books that I actually read all the way through and I also started listening to Entrepreneur on Fire with uh, John Lee Dumas. started listening to those and uh, on Entrepreneur on Fire I heard an interview with Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss answered the question, what is your favorite book or what is the book that you would recommend to everybody and he said, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. Being a massive fan of Tim Ferriss, I said, I have to have this book. So I read it and I bought it. Just it absolutely turned my life around because everything that he was saying in that book was so practical. And it seemed like he was speaking to me with so many of the pieces of information that he was sharing and tactics and tools for living a good life. And, and it was all very modern. And my perception of philosophy before this was that it was something only for the elite and it, that it was something that you would kind of uh, go to university to study and, and it would be very difficult to understand often. And that was my perception of philosophy. But this completely turned it around. And now I knew that, OK, there were actually practical philosophies out there that were written 2000 years ago that still are as true today as they were back then. That's kind of what set me on this road down to Stoicism. And I just got obsessed with it. I started reading all of the Stoics and, uh, and I haven't looked back since. Great. What were some particular passages or concepts which really stood out to you that allowed you to apply Stoicism in a practical way? A lot of the reason why I fell in love with Stoicism so much is because everything seemed so simple. And it was kind of like, I should have known this beforehand, but I didn't, or at least I wasn't using these principles in my life. So for example, the dichotomy of control is such a simple principle. It's so intuitive, like focus on the things that you can control, not on the things that you can't control. That's just a simple mm -hmm. truth that has stood the test of time that really we all as human beings, we should be taught that and taught to use that principle from birth. <laughs> and I know that I'm going to be teaching my kids in the future how to use that principle. I never really thought about it. And then when I read this, I kind of thought in my own life, okay, wow, what are the things that I'm worrying about or stressing over or, or trying to control that I really have no mm -hmm. power over? People who I'm trying to control, I have no power over that. What are the things that I'm trying to do in my life that are pushing against the waves, you know, swimming against the current that I'm not realizing right now? And it's so simple. But as soon as you know that, you can start using it pretty quickly because it is so simple and it's so intuitive. 
it can lead to a clearer mental space and having less worry, less stress, less anxiety, and being able to just be more content, have more productive day-to-day activities, right? 100%. And these, and these are results that you can receive pretty quickly by using these uh, these simple strategies. That's kind of why I fell in love with Stoicism. It's so simple in everything that it teaches. And uh, look, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Like, uh, it takes discipline to do all of these things. But the simplicity of this philosophy lends people to being able to actually use it in their life pretty quickly. Right. And tied into that, there's this idea of prudence, of picking our battles and also of using our time well. How have you been able to apply some of these ideas? You know, Seneca talks about in in uh, on the shortness of life, he says it's not how much life you have, it's how good your life is. They really do put a lot of emphasis on your valuation of your time and your valuation of the decisions that you make. It kind of leads you to being a more disciplined decision maker, a more disciplined person when it comes to your time and how you spend it. I'm spending so much time worrying about this. Okay, let's let's think about stoicism and and what would the stoics say about my worrying about this certain subject. Well, maybe it's not so valuable because I don't have so much control. I often think that the biggest changes in your life just come about from you being mindful uh, about the decisions that you're making and the directions that you're going. And so if you're just able to be mindful of when you're focusing on something that is outside your control, then I believe that over time, it might not happen so fast, but over time, you will start to make better decisions just from the simple act of taking a moment to think about the fact that what you're worrying about probably isn't worth worrying about. And that might not stop you from worrying about it in that moment. But over time, you'll start to make better decisions with where you spend your time and how you spend your energy and your mental energy. Right. There might be people who think that stoicism is too difficult or that it calls for such a high standard. But there's lots of talk in the text about gradual progress being very important, having realistic expectations, and that we've had many of these habits through our lives, different ways of thinking, different ways we've been spending our time. But if we can be aware of that, we can start to make changes rather than continuing to do the same thing, continuing to be frustrated and continuing to be unhappy with life. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, as you know, I do mindset coaching with people. And uh, I mean, you're a counselor as well. You've probably seen this yourself. The biggest changes that I see in people uh, happen over time through very simple daily disciplines. So for example, one thing that I tell people is, look, if you're focusing too much on the negatives of life and you're focusing too much on the bad things that are happening, what I want you to do is every single night take a couple of minutes to write down three to five things that you are grateful for about that day. Now that's a very very simple strategy that you can use and it will take up if you don't have three to five minutes then you really need to be uh, taking more time for yourself in your day but through doing that they've come back to me after like a week or two weeks and they've said wow my mindset has completely changed now I'm focusing on the more beautiful things in life I'm actually looking for them now. You don't need to make huge changes you just need to take little steps towards uh, making your mindset more empowering for yourself. You know, little steps forward. It, those, those are the steps. And as long as you're patient with yourself, you will see results if you, if you just follow these simple strategies. What were some major changes that you've made in your life since finding stoicism and applying the ideas? I think there's nothing really major, like nothing that I read in Stoicism said to me, wow, I really need to change this immediately. It was more studying the philosophy, putting it into practice slowly over time, 
And now that I look back, I could say, wow, you know, a year ago I was acting in this way and I know that I'm not acting in that way anymore. Or, you know, I, I had these beliefs a year ago and now I'm so much more empowered. Or, you know, there are changes that I see in the way that I act and the way that I think that I know wouldn't have come about if I hadn't been studying and practicing small disciplines with uh, with with stoicism. You know, I would say to people, don't expect to see massive changes or to even make huge changes. Uh, expect to study the philosophy, be mindful of what you're studying. And over time, because the philosophy makes so much sense and it's so intuitive, you will make small changes just by studying and being mindful, trying to implement these strategies. But, you know, what I would say is something that I hear a lot from people. In, in fact, I probably hear this nine out of 10 times when somebody messages me and says, Hey, thank you so much for your podcast. You know, I've just been introduced to stoicism nine out of 10 times. They say, I feel like I've been living this philosophy my whole life and I only just put a name to it. And you probably get this all the time as well. Don't you? I hear some of that. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. That, that seems to jive with my way of thinking. I've been doing some of these practices. Yes. You know, that might be ego speaking in some people, uh, but, you know, it just it makes sense to me because it is such a simple philosophy that we read and we're like, wow, either I am living this or I should be living this more or I just should be living this. That's what's so exciting to me, because so many people, when they read it, it just makes sense to them and it's easy for them to see how they should be implementing these strategies into their life if they're not already doing so. Some of the feedback that I get from listeners is just being more content with the less and just tempering their desires, really questioning that which they value and even walking away from some toxic people in their lives, being very careful about the relationships, mm -hmm. about the friends that they choose. Have you heard any of these from podcast listeners? Well, I mean, I've seen that with myself, dampening a lot of my my lust for certain, you know, certain aspects of, of success. So, for example, money or fame or buying nice things. I absolutely. Since I started studying this philosophy, I have noticed within myself that I really don't want a lot of those things to the same level that I used to want them. Now, for example, it's, it's OK to want money, but you shouldn't give up your virtue and your love for wisdom or your, you know, your goodness to achieve that. The Stoics often said that it's not what you have that, that really matters, it's your attitude to what you have. And so I used to be the kind of person who I would constantly look at these beautiful cars that I would want to buy in the future, or I would set goals for a certain amount of money that I wanted to make and be very excited to achieve that. And I have noticed since then that uh, I really don't desire those things as much as I used to. What I desire is a good lifestyle, uh, good relationships, to be doing fulfilling work, work that is absolutely impacting my life in a very positive way and impacting other people's lives in a positive way. As we go back to the valuation idea of stoicism, it really does teach you to value things and put things and possessions and, and uh, other things in, in their proper place. Right. You, you hear people really spending so much time at the workplace and jobs that they don't like working overtime, having very little time for themselves. And what are mm -hmm. they doing with that money? Well, they're going for some fine dining. They're going on these expensive vacations. And well, maybe we don't need to do those things to be happy. Maybe we could have leisure and entertainment in some other way and be more content with less, having more time for ourselves, even things like exercise, outdoor exploration, gaming, 
socializing, right? You've found a case for leisure in your life as well. You've talked about your exploration of the outdoors. Stoicism added to my outdoor exploration journey. You know, that came about because I was really obsessed with the outdoors when I was young. You know, I'd ride horses. I had a lot of animals and, you know, I I bred poultry and uh, chickens and turkeys and pigeons. And I would often explore forests with my brother and and we'd go to waterfalls and all that sort of stuff. And I, I really did grow an appreciation for nature when I was younger. But Stoicism has only impacted positively at my exploration of the outdoors and going back to our desires like if you want to talk about being a millionaire like I feel like a millionaire when I'm climbing a mountain when I'm on top of a mountain looking out at a beautiful sunset or a sunrise uh, and I'm just sitting there on my own enjoying that moment genuinely feel like there's nothing in the world world that I would want more than that in that moment. That's kind of something that Stoicism does teach us. It teaches us to collect moments and not things, to collect relationships and and, and not possessions and cars and and lots of money. It, it teaches us to really value those moments in our life that are the, are the true items that will add to our million dollar attitude. Right. It's reconceptualizing things. And well, maybe there could be a different way of looking at wealth. Maybe there can be a mm-hmm. different way of looking at meaning in life. Whereas we get many messages throughout society of, oh, you need to live in this certain type of house. You need to go to this place. You need to have the two and a half kids Mm -hmm. and the white picket fence and this high prestige job, all of these things. Get married, have this traditional relationship, live this certain way or else you've done it wrong. But stoicism is saying, well, actually, you can reevaluate that and live the type of life that you think is in accordance with virtue. Mm. I think that's what's so beautiful about Stoicism is it says there is not necessarily one meaning to life. Like you create your own meaning in in your life and what is important to you. You know, maybe it helps you to reevaluate what is important to you. But this is why there's so many different kinds of people in different religions and different political philosophies and all kinds of different people who follow Stoicism because it just teaches us the core foundation of how to live a good life. Then everything else is up to you. And uh, and that's what I think is so beautiful about it. It's so inclusive. Right. Quite a big tent. And I think it's blossoming today. Do you think there are particular reasons why there's such a modern renaissance of stoicism? I don't think there's too many reasons. I think we had have had the internet that we have today, you know, 50 years ago, it would have happened then. And if we had have had the freedom of information sharing 50 years ago, 100 years ago, it would have been happening then. But there's just so many more people who are able to teach about this philosophy. And um, even with self-publication, you've got people who can write their own books and get them out there within a few weeks. And it's easier to share. And so it's easier to learn. That's what's so exciting about living in this time is uh, we do have that ability to just learn so much. Like the, I learned Stoicism mm. as a result of listening to a podcast and somebody recommended the book. So it just comes down to more people are teaching and more people are listening. So of course, we're going to see a, a kind of a renaissance of this kind of information. Right. It's an age, too, where we hear a lot of people who happen to be complaining. They think life is miserable. They think that there really isn't much to live for, that a lot of things have gone poorly for them. And I think that stoicism has helped many get out of that complaining stage, get more toward action and have more of an attitude of acceptance about the world while working to change at least what's in our control and make something more of life rather than resigning. 
Couldn't agree more. I think that some of the unique challenges uh, that we face today, the solutions are found in stoicism. And so that's another reason why it is so popular. And, you know, all you have to do is look into, uh, you know, popular culture today or new authors or, you know, you were just uh, mentioning a book beforehand where the author uh, mentioned that he was uh, a fan of stoicism. And there's so many people out there now who have received influence from Stoic philosophy. So even if you're just reading a book that has nothing to do with Stoicism, but the author mentions, well, I read this book and it inspired me to teach you this, you'll probably go out and read it. And it might be a Stoic book. It, it might lead you down the path that, that we've been led down. I think it's so valuable that it's so easy to share these days. And I would encourage anybody listening, like if you want to change somebody's life, all you have to do is recommend a good book to them or recommend a good podcast or a good audio book. Just do that once and you could change hundreds of lives by changing their life and then they share that to other people so it's so easy to share so that we have no excuse to not be changing people's lives for the better by sharing what's valuable to us and what led to the decision for you to share not only to just recommend but to work on a podcast communities online and mindset coaching and a lot of the other projects that you're involved in always been huge fan of podcasts i've always been a huge fan of well i mean since my 20th birthday. I kind of thought about starting a podcast. I just wasn't sure what it would be. But, you know, when I started learning about stoicism, I, I kind of thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity for me to learn while I teach. And I genuinely believe that the best way to learn is to teach and to share, because as you're doing that, you're also learning yourself. Jim Rohn put it like this. If you learn something valuable and you share it with 10 friends, you're getting much more out of that experience than your 10 friends are, because now you've heard what you learned 10 times. If you will actually share what you're learning, then you you get so much more value out of it. So, you know, a lot of it was a selfish uh, endeavor. I really wanted to be a teacher of stoicism. I wanted to learn a lot about it as well. And I felt like I had a little bit more knowledge than a few people because I'd read a bit, a few more books, spent a lot more time thinking about it. I knew that I had the, the time and the uh, the knowledge and the ability to put together something like this. I've, I've got a music background, so I had the recording equipment. There was no excuses. And so I just started doing it and it got a good response. And I've been grateful for that ever since. Right. Many podcasts, though, seem to stop after a few weeks, after a month. How long have you been going at it now? You've had other projects as well. See, I've been doing it since September last year, I believe. You know, I started with two episodes a week. Now I'm up to three episodes a week. You know, the reason why I've been able to keep going so long is because Stoicism taught me how to set goals. You know, if you start a podcast saying my goal is to get 1000 downloads per podcast within the first two months, you might achieve that goal goal. And that might be very motivating to you. But there's also a high chance that you might not achieve that goal. And so what happens when you don't achieve that goal? You might get discouraged. You might think, well, this is a bad idea. I'm not going to keep on going with it. That's why there are so many podcasts that stop after a certain amount of episodes. I mean, I had a podcast mm -hmm. that stopped after 15 episodes where I would interview people who had been inspirations in my life or the lives of people in, around me. A lot of the reason why I stopped that podcast was because I wasn't setting my goals correctly. It was based more on like, okay, how many downloads am I getting? But Stoicism teaches us, okay, set goals based on your own efforts and things that you can control. So I said to myself, okay, I want this to be a really valuable collection of podcasts that can teach somebody a lot about Stoicism and change their life. So that's one goal. The main goal is just get two episodes every single week and see how it goes. I'm not going to stop no matter how many downloads I get. And that's something that's in my control. And so if I get to the end of a week and I've released two episodes, I feel really good about 
my about myself. I'm building to my collection of podcasts. And so that was my only real goal. And it still is my only real goal. My only goal is, okay, I'm going to get three podcasts out every single week. And I still haven't deviated from that goal because to do that would be to go against something that is absolutely within my control. Uh, and it would be to go against this goal that I've kept for now many months. So, you know, it's worked out very well. It's absolutely, you know, led me down many avenues that have been positive in my own life. But the main reason why it has kept on going, because I had that simple goal of I will not go less than two or three episodes a week. Good. So many people can be focused on an outcome and not be concerned about the process. They're looking, oh, look, it failed. So it was a waste of time. It wasn't worth it. But we can really focus on the process instead that if we make a really good effort, put a good amount of dedication into it, right, that result is out of our hands, we can produce the best content in the world. And maybe no one will listen, right? All those self published books out there, there can be a lot of gems that we don't even know about things that people are even working on now. So it's just to be more content with our own self. And it still leaves room, right, for improvement and hoping for some goal setting and reaching that, right? We're not just going to do things on a whim, but rather come up with a good strategy for success. Absolutely. And yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there. It's not like it's going to stop you from wanting more downloads or wanting people to be actually listening. Like that's obviously important. It kind of internalizes your goals and it says, okay, well, no matter what happens, I'll still be happy. And I've kind of said to myself, you know, yes, I am changing people's lives with this podcast. Yes, people are messaging me. I've got a good amount of downloads for each episode. However, even if none of this was happening, even if all I was doing was releasing episodes that nobody was listening, to. If I got to 200 episodes that could teach you about stoicism and how to live a good life, that would be something that would be valuable for me. And it would be something that would that would be really important to me. And it would make me feel good about myself because of what I've achieved and the person who I've become and the things that I've learned as a result of doing this podcast. And so this goes back to another thing that Tim Ferriss has taught, which was uh, whenever you're you know, starting a new project or you've got a new goal, make sure that at the end of that goal, even if you fail, make sure that you've still been able to learn something or grow through the process. And then it's not a failure because you've become a better person. So for me, I kind of said, look, if I get to 100 episodes or 200 episodes and I still have no listeners, at least I've become a better person because I've spent the time learning stoicism, teaching it and putting it into audio form, something that I can hand down to my children and their children and my family uh, and something that can help people. Yeah, it's, it's about reframing your goals so that no matter what happens, it's still a big success. Good. So we can have the benefits for ourselves and studying philosophy and also be able to help others. Sometimes stoicism gets mischaracterized as extremely selfish, that it's just going to be a withdrawal from society. It's all about self-improvement. But I don't think that's the case. It's disappointing to hear people say, well, you just focused on self-improvement. You're just only thinking about yourself. If you're a better person, then you're better able to help other people. Think about the people who have changed the world. They're people who have obviously worked on themselves. I bring up Jim Rohn often just because uh, many of his teachings were very, very stoic. I don't know if he read the Stoics, but he's one of my favorite personal development leaders. And something that he says was one day he discovered how selfish it is to say, you look after me and I'll look after you. What you should be saying is, I'll look after me 
so that I can look after you. We need to take that time to develop our minds and to become stronger people and to make sure that we're in a position where we are able to help other people in a valuable way. I genuinely believe that if more people took time to work on themselves and to become better people with personal development and self-scrutiny and, and, and really trying to you know make themselves better people, the world would be such a better place. It would be it would just be amazing what you would see happen. But so many people think that it's kind of selfish and it's not. And the Stoics definitely don't encourage us to be selfish or to not help other people. In, in fact, the opposite, I would say that the Stoics do encourage us to be kind and uh, be empathetic and to be in the community. They often say, be in the crowd, but not of the crowd. You, you should be able to help people. It doesn't mean you need to be in their situation, but I don't think that people who say that truly understand the philosophy. And we could also be a better friend to others around us. Other people might not mention our faults, some weaknesses, some areas of improvement for us, but stoicism can allow us to better evaluate ourselves in our lives and even allow others to improve by pointing out areas in which they might be lacking, some advice for others. Think about the best possible thing that you could do to be a better friend or to be a better husband, father, mother, daughter, any type of relationship in life. The best thing that you could possibly do is to become the best possible version of yourself. Only positive things can come from that. So I think, yeah, it's definitely something that people need to focus on. And, and I always say that Stoicism is the original personal development philosophy. These people are saying 2000 years ago, they, they said what? personal development leaders today are saying. Everything that we hear from people like Tony Robbins or, you know, Eric Thomas or you know, any of these modern personal development leaders, you know, it was said by people like the Stoics 2000 years ago. And that's what's so inspiring about Stoicism to me is it's the original homie G gangster of, of personal development. You know, what they were saying is just so important. And uh, it really has stood the test of time. I guess you could say that Seneca was quite woke, which brings us into, as I see uh, you've mentioned on on your show as well, that there are some what I see disturbing trends today where we're very quick to write other people off, so quickly dismissive of others, even playing instruments. You were saying that even playing the didgeridoo can get some criticism of cultural appropriation, that they wouldn't like that you would be playing a certain instrument, that this was some sort of slight on someone's culture. That was a period of my life when I was very, very young. You know, times were very different then, but obsessed for about a year with uh, with Aboriginal culture, Australian Aboriginal culture, and, you know, I had a didgeridoo, and maybe that's why I led down the path to uh, playing trumpet, because it's very similar. I had all the Aboriginal uh, stuff. I get it. I, I've learnt a lot about the idea of cultural appropriation recently and, and I've been interested in it and interested in what people are complaining about these days and, and I get it that there are some times when what you're doing is probably highly inappropriate but I would say that stoicism encourages us not to focus on what other people are doing but to focus on what we are doing to judge people second and to judge yourself first and that's only a positive thing as well so I, I mean we see a lot of people calling people out today and over some very serious things as well which is very good like, I, I love that in this age of technology and information that we can find out very quickly who are the bad actors and they should be called out. But, uh, you know, there are some things that people complain about today that you kind of think, well, OK, maybe you should just focus on yourself for a while. Maybe you should just judge yourself uh, for a little while and see if you stand up to the scrutiny that you're putting other people under.
Right. And it's often a very vicious backlash that I'm seeing rather than being charitable, rather than simply addressing an alleged problem, people jump to such wild conclusions. They're quite judgmental. As you say, they claim that, well, your identity is the basis for what you're doing. And they reduce you to a very simple concept where maybe the situation is a lot more complex that, oh, well, maybe I, I have studied that culture and I appreciate it. It's not like I'm doing something that's intentionally or unintentionally a slight on someone that maybe I can draw upon this tradition and use it in a productive way as stoicism calls us to be citizens of the world and not think of secluding ourselves in, in one case even Seneca talking about drawing on the ideas of our predecessors improving upon them and really having respect for those who've had wisdom from all sorts of traditions yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I do love that idea from the Stoics that we should be learning as much as we can about history and the people who came before us. I do have to apologize just for a moment because uh, we're going to have to practice Stoicism here because uh, in the background you might hear some loud noises because for my apartment complex, the people who do the mowing once every couple of weeks have decided to pick today. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully it doesn't come through too much, but if it does, then I'm happy to either pause the episode or we can just keep on going and and you might be happy to edit it out. That sounds good. I can't hear too much of it in the background. It's just a low hum. Many things out of our control there and just rolling with the punches, so to say, and just making the best of things. It's a quote from Epictetus that I've used several times on here to imitate those who play at dice that we don't know what's going to come up, but we could use those results with skill. Mm, exactly. I love it. That's something that you should be teaching every single kid. That's why I think it's so great that so many parents are learning Stoicism. I've heard from so many parents who are introducing Stoicism to their children. How amazing would it be? How more resilient, how much more resilient would you be if you had learnt from a very young age to accept that there'll be bad things that are happening, but it's not what happens. It's, it's how you use what happens to your advantage that matters. These are things that, you know, I genuinely believe that more children should be learning this from their parents. And, you know, it's unfortunate that they haven't been so far, but this is definitely something that I'll be passing on to children because so many of these principles would just absolutely transform a child's life if they were learning them from a young age. Right. It was even in a recent episode of the Sunday Stoic, he had a conversation with someone named Mary as a Stoic parenting success story, whereas her father had imparted some Stoic wisdom. And it's something that I do today in working with kids in my counseling role. And who knows, maybe some younger listeners to this podcast or yours. Have you heard from any younger listeners? Well, I actually had an episode where I used a snippet from a video of one of my younger listeners. The parent of that child was Danny Vega. He's he's a regular listener of, of the podcast. He's been a big fan since the start. And he kind of listens to it with his kids. And they were talking one morning and his son kind of said, bad is good. If something bad happens to you, then it makes you stronger. And, and so he kind of filmed his son talking about this. And it was inspiring to me and many people in the podcast because here's a kid who is so young, but he understands that if something bad happens to you or something that you really uh, didn't want to happen, it has the opportunity to make you a stronger, better person. Wouldn't you love to have had that mindset from a young age? Like I know that I would have loved to have that mindset. Right. There's the attitude of acceptance rather than lamenting the universe, cursing God or cursing the natural order of things. Right. And we hear a lot of that today, right? 
more than acceptance. It's acceptance, but then also how can I use this to my advantage? Because simply accepting that things are going to happen like that, that's kind of a depressing way to look at life. Yeah, we need to accept them, but then where do you move forward from there? Because you don't want to just be whipped in the face, you know, like a million times in your life and every time you just say, well, I just accept that this is happening. It's like, okay, use that to your advantage. How can you become a stronger person as a result of that? Good. That's crucial. So taking that extra step there, what can I learn from the situation? How can I be better in the future? Or what might this mean for me? And not assuming the worst is going to happen and just knowing that what change is just inevitable. There will be those ups and downs. So how can we deal with that more effectively? And it's a theme in music. As I talked with recent guest Seller Darling, they talked about their song Challenge, welcoming and verse using those as opportunities and even Anathema, I've quoted their song, A Natural Disaster. They say, no matter what I do, I can't change what happens. So I find a lot of stoic themes in music. And you've also, we've mentioned the didgeridoo, but you've also produced jazz music. And mm, Absolutely. No, I've, I've been doing music for a long time and definitely been one of my main passions in life. And it's led me down some very interesting roads and it's been a big part of my life. Yeah. Right. How have you applied some stoic ideas to music? most of my music career happened before I really got into stoicism. I've kind of slowed down a little bit now in that I'm really only focused on maybe making albums and doing the occasional gig. If you are a musician out there and, and you want some stoic advice, you might, for example, look at uh, what they would say about your practicing. So music is, is one of those things that it's very, very difficult to master an instrument or to master your voice. And it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work, a lot of hours spent doing things that really seem like they're going nowhere but are actually building the foundation upon which you will be able to do better things with your music especially with jazz you know where it's so, so based upon uh, improvisation and and having to know so much about a certain piece of music in order to be able to improvise freely the freedom does come from discipline because to have that freedom to improvise the freedom to make a beautiful solo over a certain piece of music comes only from being disciplined enough to practice and sound really bad. Focus not on the end result, but focus on simply becoming better and a better version of yourself every day, uh, one step at a time. Don't set the goal to play the best solo in the world. Simply set the goal to practice uh, that piece of music and that chord structure 1,000 times uh, and then once you've been able to do that, which is something that's absolutely within your control, then you'll naturally just be better at it. Stoicism can absolutely play a massive role in, in teaching people how to become better at their chosen skill, uh, whether that is music or some, something else. And Epictetus even mentioned, don't expect the tree to bear its fruit so suddenly. It takes time. It takes quite a process to get to that goal. Even the teacher himself saying about struggling with anger in that he had a difficult time with that. But over time, he's become more content. That's so true. I mean, you look at fruit on a tree, like you cannot, you literally cannot do anything to make fruit grow faster on a tree. I mean, okay, let's let's take pumpkins, for example. Maybe you could do the trick where they cut the rest of the pumpkins and lead the vine only to one pumpkin and it grows it bigger and faster because all the, all the nutrients are getting there. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to get the emails. We're going to get all these fruit experts. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. Okay, they're going to tell me that I was wrong, but there's nothing that you can do. You can't yell at the tree. You can't push it to go any faster than what it will decide that it's going. And you just, you can't get that fruit any faster. Uh, And it's the same with life. Most of the things that we want to get better at or most of the things that we're doing in our life, they take a certain amount of time and they take a certain amount of discipline and effort. It's not going to happen faster. And that's why I really push patience with my audience. I try to, you know, mention that once every few episodes just, hey, be patient with everything that you're doing because the results aren't going to come right now, but they will if you're patient enough. Right. So keeping those expectations pretty reasonable and not even being wholly concerned about those, seeing that as an indifferent, well, it would be nice if that's worked out. It would be nice if we had this certain result, but we can live without it and we won't be distraught if we're to not reach that. Exactly. Right. More on other people. How has stoicism figured into your social relationships? It's kind of made me appreciate relationships a lot more than I used to. It's made me appreciate the types of people who I spend time with. Something that I definitely learned a lot more about when I started reading books was just how important it is that we choose the right kind of people to be in our lives. And uh, Stoicism only encouraged that thought. Epictetus has a beautiful passage where he talks about how important it is to choose the right kind of people who will influence you to be your best. I think that one of the most important things that anybody can do in their life if they want to be happy and successful in many ways, whether it is financial or whether it's just personal success, is to pick the right kind of people to be in your life. I like to think that stoicism has made me a more patient person. It has made me a more understanding person. It has absolutely uh, you know, encouraged me to be a better person in, in my relationships. Yeah. Right. So it's calling for that personal accountability, that mindfulness, that awareness, rather than as people will say, oh, he made me angry. He made me do that. People throwing it in others' hands or even just continuing the same patterns. Oh, that person happened to be a neighbor. Oh, well, we were at that job together. People maybe aren't so careful about the social relationships they have and just go go along with it. It's made me want to pursue my relationships more. It's made me value the the discipline of maybe taking a moment to just quickly message someone. And I don't do this often enough. And I, I recognize that I don't. And it sucks that I don't. But something that, you know, I know that I should be doing a lot more often is messaging people and you know, checking in with people and keeping up with those contacts that I have that I don't want to lose contact with. And because a lot of people think that stoicism is kind of anti-friendship because it leads you to uh, find your happiness from within. But that's the opposite. I mean, Seneca said that the true sage doesn't need friends, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want friends. Like everybody wants friends and everybody should want to have friends in your life and people who are close to you to share this beautiful life with. That's just something that is so natural and inbuilt as humans where we are tribal people. We need to have that tribe around us of people to enjoy this life with. But uh, the Stoics teach that we shouldn't need that. So if you're exiled to an island, like pretty much all of the Stoics were, you know, you should be able to be happy there and find your happiness from within just as much as you would be happy with friends around you. And so it comes back to that self-reliance. To everybody listening, do not be misguided with what you read through the Stoics about friendship. You should absolutely value your friends and spend time with them and, you know, make them an important part of your life because that's just being human. 
Right. And even in Seneca's passages, it's letters to a friend of his, Lucilius. And there are so many passages about, oh, let's be of one mind. What I share with you, I'm very open. I, I hope to share this life fully with you. I hope to learn from you. I care so much to write this letter and spend this time. There is that devotion. There's uh, this idea of, as I mentioned before, being greedy, greedily invested in spending this mm. time with your friends and really appreciating that which you have, especially given that life is limited, that calamity can come about, a disease, some sort of major change in life, some physical ailment. Who knows? Geography can separate people at times. I think Stoicism encourages us to really use our time wisely when it comes to our friends and to recognize that they will not always be here. And your family members, they will not always be here. So focus on spending that time with them now and having those moments with them now. And on a personal note, my grandmother died a couple of weeks ago. You know, something that was interesting to me about that death was, you know, we weren't extremely close, but I did love my grandma and she was a funny, wonderful person. I have many beautiful memories of her, but something that I recognized was, you know, she was in a nursing home and I had the opportunity to visit her many, 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 many times. But how many times did I visit her? Very, very few towards the end of her life. And that really made me think, wow, am I really living up to these stoic values of using this time wisely and recognizing that people aren't always going to be here? Because the stoics would say, well, you should be visiting your grandma very often because, uh, you know, maybe she's not going to be around for long. Uh, but I didn't. And it kind of made me sad with myself that I had not lived up to those kind of values. And so we really need to value our relationships and the people in our life a lot more than we currently do. Good. And it can be tough. We can find those good friends. We can have those good relationships. But all around the world, as we see the Stoics tell us about crowds being very different from us and that they could be dangerous and buying into the ways other people might act as I look around and see so many people of, oh, well, their spending habits are radically different than mine. Their values are radically different than mine. They seem to be squandering time. It can be hard to find those good friends. But if and when you do, those are the people that you want to spend the time with. Value that. Don't take it for granted, right? Absolutely. So we're wrapping up now. Anything else that you'd like to add? I can only apologize for these horrible sounds in the background of, of <laughs> the lawn being massacred behind me. I just want to say uh, this has just been an awesome interview. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate what you're doing for the world, Justin, and anybody out there who is sharing this amazing philosophy is doing right by me and, and right by the people who you're sharing it with. And to your listeners, if you haven't checked out the podcast, feel free to do so. You can head to my website. It's risetothegoodlife.com or you can uh, join in my Facebook community. Justin, I know you're in there as well and you're a regular contributor to uh, my podcast, not only in the interview that we did last week, also uh, with the Wednesday podcast that I do where people contribute to the podcast. The Facebook group is called The Practical Stoic Mastermind. So we'd love to see you there. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or if you'd you know, like to share some, some uh, feedback. Justin, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed this. On Twitter, I am at Simon J.E. Drew. So J is just my middle names. And, uh, on Facebook, probably the best place on Facebook is just the Facebook group. All right. Very good. Thanks for your time today. Very quick 50 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com where you can connect with me on social media, find past episodes, and join my Discord chat server for interactive discussion. Support my work by becoming a donor through Patreon or PayPal to access special rewards, including the ability to have upcoming guests answer your questions, custom-tailored podcast episodes, and personalized one-on-one -on -one discussions. 
share, comment, like, subscribe, and leave reviews to help support my efforts. Email me with your thoughts, justinvacula at gmail.com. Podcast music, used with permission, is brought to you by Phil Giordana's symphonic metal group Fairyland from their album Score to a New Beginning. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.